1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: When I look back at that time, back in see City, I just look back at, back at that time and just say, man just a young guy just trying to find himself in the league man I was able to learn from so many guys was able to mature um so fast because um I was able to step into a you know receiver role and um it was a lot you know and um I kind of took that on and I didn't look back you know the coaching staff trusted me there and um I absolutely loved every minute of it you know um I wouldn't take none of it back and, and so yeah man um yeah, it was, it, was, it was fun times.
1: Tyreek Hill choosing his words carefully. You won't hear in the press conference preceding his first game against the Chiefs, Tua tonga is the most accurate passer in the NFL, and that includes Patrick Mahomes, or any of the talk we heard last year in the weeks after the trade happened where it became clear that Tyreek Hill wanted the ball more than he was getting it. And he had career-high targets and catches in 2021, and he still wanted more. He was becoming a pain in the butt behind the scenes for the Kansas City Chiefs. So they decided between the money, between what he does to skew the offense his way, and maybe the offense will be better if we open it up, and all things considered, we're moving on. And he was happy. He was thrilled to get out of Kansas City. I also think, even though he, he probably won't say this ever, He may think it. He didn't want to be third fiddle to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And he's the guy in Miami now. He can try to deflect some of it to Tua. Tyreek is the guy. He's the straw that stirs the drink. And he's on pace to have record receiving yardage. He's the MVP candidate. Tried to. Oh, no, there's a better player on this team. No, there isn't, Tyreek. It's you. It's great that you're humble, but you're the guy. So... Anyway, it's just funny to watch him there because he's trying his damnedest to say nothing to give the Chiefs any extra oomph than they already have.
3: Mike, I think he's going to remind the Chiefs of really what they miss when you look at at their receiving stats. Obviously, Kelsey is the leading receiver with 68 catches, 583 yards, and four touchdowns. But Rasheed Rice is their leading wide receiver, 39 catches, 361 yards, and three touchdowns. And you're right, if Tyreek Hill was in Kansas City doing what he's doing now, and he wouldn't be doing what he's doing now, but if he was and had the same statistics that he has right now, which are leading the NFL, 109 receiving yards per game, already over a thousand yards. We would not be talking about him as the MVP candidate, maybe a little bit, but we'd be saying, Oh, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick. He's never gonna win that award over Patrick Mahomes. We are talking about him as an MVP candidate with Tua Tonga Vialoa, and maybe that's disrespect to Tua and what he's done. But to me, Tyreek has just been such a huge part of that offense. And Tua throws him up the ball, and he gets it, and he makes plays. And he's unstoppable. We'll see what the Chiefs can do against him, but I don't expect them to stop him this week. I think he's going to have right about what his average is, over 100 yards.
1: Well, that leads into the first grab bag topic, fill in the blank. Tyreek Hill will what against his former team?
3: That's it. Remind his former team of what they miss, because I do think they miss him. And they're trying to replace him. And they went back and got Michael Hardman. And he's not really the answer. He's certainly not Tyreek Hill. They miss Tyreek Hill. They, yes, they won the Super Bowl last year without it, I, I, without him. I, I get that. They won a Super Bowl without him. But they are a better team, Mike, with Tyreek Hill than without Tyreek Hill.
1: Well, the easiest one for me is Tyreek Hill will lose to his former team, even if he has a big game. I just feel like – and this this comes from something that Peter King observed last year when he went to the Seahawks-Buccaneers game in Germany. He's going to join us in about 15 minutes or so. He said it feels like a conference championship game. It's a big game. Yeah. And the Chiefs know all about big games. What have the Dolphins done in a big game setting? This year, last year – They're still learning. They're still working their way toward functioning in a big-game setting. And that's where I think the Chiefs will be fine. And I think the thing that helps the Chiefs the most, getting embarrassed by the Broncos last week as the precursor to this big game in Germany. I just think Chiefs step up. Mahomes wills them to getting more points, and they will take it personally. Tyreek said enough stuff last year that Patrick Mahomes surely filed away just as a way— You know, everybody says all the right things. Everybody's nice. Everybody's friendly. But there's a fire burning deep down. That fire is going to be burning a little bit more for Patrick Mahomes to go out there and out-duel Tua and Tyreek with whoever he has. Travis Kelsey, whoever else, I I just feel like that's the end result. But Tyreek still will have a big game. All right, let's talk about... Giants Raiders and the only reason Giants Raiders is newsworthy is because of what happened in Las Vegas this week with the firing of Josh McDaniels Antonio Pierce now the interim head coach here is Devontae Adams who was last seen throwing his helmet down in disgust on Monday night on the vibe within the Raiders after Mark Davis asked Josh McDaniels to pack his stuff and leave
2: I mean at this point is you know it's not it's don't get it confused. We're not, it's not a celebration that we, you know, we have a new coach and, you know, there's, there's been changes made. We obviously, I think it was time um, one, way or the, one way or the other, it was time for some sort of change um, just to bring a little juice in and, and, you know, revitalize the team a little bit. And I think it's more of a mindset that we're trying to, um, you know, not force, but just have moving forward to, to just be as positive as possible.
1: Okay, so, by or sell? So, we will see a revitalized Raiders team and a happier Devontae Adams against the Giants.
3: Yes, I think that's going to be true, Mike. I think that the Raiders do. They were looser yesterday. In the locker room, everybody said, oh, they were playing around. They were laughing. They were having fun. We saw it with them a couple years ago when they got rid of Gruden and Rich Basaccia came in. They end up. There it is right there. Rich Visaccia comes in, leads them to the playoffs. They get to the playoffs. And frankly, Mike, you go back to that point. They should have kept, and he's my good friend, but they should have kept, kept Rich as the the head coach. And I think they would have been better off today than where they are. Now looking for another head coach and spending $80 million or whatever it is on former head coaches. So, Yes, I think they're going to be – I don't know that they're going to win, but I think Devontae Adams is going to get more than one catch this week. I think he's. they're going to make a commitment to get him the football, which you need to do. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL, just like we were talking about with George Pickens. Get him the football, make him happy, and I think it will make you happier as an offense. But are they going to win with Aiden O'Connell? I don't know about that.
1: Yeah, yeah regardless of whether or not they win or lose, I think the locker room – is more relaxed and happier because anytime you clear out one of those Belichick assistants, you've you've cleared out a lot of the things that make players who weren't programmed to be part of the Patriot way happy to have moved on to someone else. All right, let's move on to underdogs. Take your pick. Dog of the week. Who do you have?
3: I'm going to take the Seahawks, six-point underdogs to the Ravens. The Ravens scored 31 against the Cardinals last week, but they had only 268 yards. They benefited from those Cardinals' four turnovers. Seattle's not going to turn the ball over. Their D has held opponents to 20 points or fewer in four consecutive games. And, by the way, they've added Leonard Williams. We're going to get to see him uh, against the Ravens. So I think the Seahawks can hold up. They may not win the game, but I think it will be fewer than six points, Mike.
1: I'm taking the Panthers getting three at home against the Colts. The Colts have not been impressive with Gardner Minshew. I was all in for Minshew's opportunity to lay the foundation to be a starter somewhere else next year. It started well until it didn't. It's been shaky lately. The Panthers showed me something last week in beating the Texans, who I think are a better team than the Colts right now. And Frank Reich, the coach of the Panthers, said yesterday it's not personal taking on the Colts. Baloney. Frank, I know you said what you had to say, but... It is personal and you do want to stick it to Jim Ursay. It's okay. You don't have to say it. We know it. Got fired when he shouldn't have been fired, replaced by Jeff Saturday, who had no business being an NFL head coach. And Frank Reich wants to show a little something to Jim Ursay. So give me the Panthers plus three. By the way, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook, this season new customers get five dollars. No, wait, you bet five. let me try that again. Let's just start that over again. Don't forget, on DraftKings Sportsbook <laughs> this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat. Same game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown, is yours. When we return, will the Ravens continue their dominance over the NFC when the Seahawks come to town on Sunday? That's next here on PFT Live.
2: Around any corner...
4: I think
0: you're up to now 17 and 1 against NFC
2: teams. They're ready. Oh. Are they explaining that? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, we're playing football. It's not about NFC or AFC. I'm trying to win regardless. I don't even want to put that in my head or
0: let you finish that question. <laughs> we good. <laughs> we good. Well,
1: Lamar Jackson did not want to hear any of it about that 14 and one record he has against NFC teams. Doesn't want to be thinking about that. Just wants to be thinking about going out and playing the best football possible. And it will take some good football on Sunday because the Seahawks come to town. But the last time we saw a five-win team roll into Baltimore a couple of weeks ago, it did not go well for the Detroit Lions. Will it go well for the Seahawks against a Ravens team, Shereen, that seems to really be finding its groove, its identity? The Bills are looking for an identity. The Ravens have found one, and they are perfecting it.
3: They sure are, Mike. Trivia question for you, though. 17-1 against the NFC. Do you know who the one loss was against?
1: Wow. Wow.
3: I had to look it up. I'm not going to Must even gonna be lie. the
1: Cowboys. Is it no, the Cowboys? It
3: actually, no, it was actually the Giants last year. I think it was 24-20 uh, the Giants won. And they've lost two other times. They're 17-3 Um as a team against the NFC since the 2019 season. The other two losses were to Carolina and to New Orleans were the other two losses uh, that that, that the Ravens had. They're just really good against the NFC, kind of like they're really good in the preseason. They finally had that streak get over. They're really good against the NFC for whatever reason, but we know they're really good at home. They showed that again against the Lions, which is just a beat down. But as I picked the Seahawks to – cover here i do think the seahawks make this a close game because i like what they can do they can run the football and they've added leonard williams i think they be able to stop the run so i like this matchup with the seahawks don't know if they can win it but i do like that it's going to be a close game
1: the seahawks expect new defensive lineman leonard williams to be on the field they got him for a second round pick in 2024 and a fifth round pick in 25. Giants paying a lot of his salary, though, so it wasn't just the picks for the player. You get some some cash transfer, some cap transfer, and you get some trade value that way. Here's Pete Carroll from earlier this week talking about the challenge of facing one of the top defenses in the NFL for the second week in a row. It was Cleveland last week. It's Baltimore this week. Here it is.
0: You guys go from facing the top ranked defense in the league to the second best defense yeah. in the league I mean how big are these or tests break. yeah, I yeah. Know, like how big are these tests early in the season in, in, as far as going forward for this offense and, and the yeah. whole, you know, i mean, I, I mean I, you you hear me say it I think this is amazing for us at this time of the year to have these challenges this is a great challenge and whether you know we're playing it here or there it doesn't matter it's just it's this is the kind of games that we have to have in, in your schedule to build yourself up, so that you you get stronger, you get smarter, you you know you, you learn from them, and, and uh, so you know, this is this feels like a championship game again, you know, uh, division leader in the whole thing. So it's it's really exciting for us.
1: And you know the the Seahawks are one of these teams that is kind of knocking on the door of the upper room of the NFL right now. They're five and two, yeah, but. Do we really think that they're capable of beating the best of the best? We find out on Sunday. And then we find out starting Thanksgiving night when they go 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles. We're going to learn a lot about the Seahawks soon. Are they truly in position to be one of the elite teams in the NFL or are they not? And if they can, if they can just go to Baltimore, Shereen and not get blown out the way the lions did, that's going to be a little bit of an eye opener as to what the Seahawks could be. If they could win that game, then all of a sudden, 6-2, and two, the 49ers sitting at home on their bye week watching this all unfold. they got to be thinking, oh, my God, we going to play this team twice? How are we going to win this division if this team can go into Baltimore and win? So I still think the Ravens pull it off. I think the Ravens are playing better right now, and I think it's too much to ask for the Seahawks. I just think they are one cut below, but if they want to prove to us that they're not, this is a chance to do it.
3: Absolutely. And I love Pete Carroll getting up there and saying what Nick Sirianni and Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys and Eagles aren't saying. It's a huge game, just like the Cowboys-Eagles is a huge game. It is a measuring stick. And this is a measuring stick for the Seahawks. How are they going to hold up in Baltimore on the road? This is what you're going to have to do in the postseason. These are the type of games that you have to win. So this gets you ready for that. I love what Pete Carroll says. So this will get the Seahawks ready. They will have a measuring stick of exactly where they are. So, I, you know, I, I think this is really good for the Seahawks. I'm with you if they just go in there and get down to a last series and whether they make the play or not to win the game or not, I think that's going to tell us a lot about the Seahawks as this is a team ready to contend in the NFC. Maybe not the AFC, but ready to contend in the NFC because they can contend – in the nfc with where the nfc is right now
1: here's a few reasons why it's not going to be easy for the seahawks on sunday the ravens have an nfl high 31 sacks geno stone leads the league with five interceptions and geno smith has three straight games with multiple turnovers And I know that Geno Smith is playing at a high level, and I know they gave him the big contract, but the reality is the contract for Geno Smith is a one-year deal, and they can rip it up after this year. At some point, at some point, they need to have the conversation internally about giving Drew Locke a try if Geno Smith can't protect the football. We know how important it is for the Seahawks to protect the football. That's part of their formula. I keep talking about the Bills. They don't have an identity. We've known the Seahawks' identity for 12 years. Uh It's defense, and it's take care of the football on offense. And if you're turning the ball over as the quarterback, you're not going to be the quarterback for very long. That's just the way it works. There's ultimate competition and accountability with the Seattle Seahawks. So that's why this is such a big test for the team and for Geno Smith. He can't go in there and have three interceptions and lose 33 to 10. He can't have that because at some point, especially as they get closer and closer to 49ers Cowboys, 49ers Eagles, at some point, you're going to have whispers. You're going to have shouts for Drew Locke. If they continue, it's not they continue to lose, but they start losing games because Geno Smith isn't taking care of the football. That That's an important factor for him and for the Seahawks' offense.
3: It's a huge game for Geno Smith, and, and he does need to play well. He does need to protect the football. They do need to run the ball well, and I think they... We'll be able to run the ball. If they are able to run the ball, then with Ken Walker and, and the other guys they have there, then I think they have a better chance to win this game. But, yes, there's no question. This is a huge game for Geno to go in there and play really well. Win or lose to play well because those calls are going to start coming to play Drew Locke, to find a new quarterback after this season if, if he can't get it done for us because we have the team. We just need the quarterback to get this done.
1: All right, we're going to take a break because we have Peter King from Frankfurt. Here's a look at Dolphins practice from just a little while ago. Peter sent us the video. You will see video and hear audio of Peter King from Frankfurt, Germany, when PFT Live continues right after this. Last year at Munich, they played a little John Denver Country roads take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia, where I am right now. You don't need to take me home, John Denver. There's Peter last year. He's in Munich. He's hanging out with Taylor Swift, drinking some beer, getting ready for the Chiefs and the Dolphins, the biggest game the National Football League has ever exported. Chiefs, Dolphins, are you kidding me? And Peter's on the scene. He's in Frankfurt, Germany. Shireen is in Texas. I'm in West Virginia. It's all being tied together through Connecticut. That's a point that Peter made during the break, and here we are live in real time. Peter, welcome. Good afternoon in Germany.
4: Yeah, Guten Tag. Uh, The the other weird part of it is that my camera is my iPhone. I, I mean, this is just the craziest world, and you know to think that we're all sort of locked together. There's not a 14 second delay or anything. It's fun. Hey, but Mike and Shireen, I'll just give you one little quick note here from the practice field where the Dolphins, uh, I don't know, about 30 yards away from me, are going through their final uh, workout. What is so interesting about being around Frankfurt the last couple of days is you simply cannot believe the number of Kansas City fans over here. It is, it's 200 to one. And I, so I don't know what it's going to look like in the stadium on Sunday, but last year when I was in Munich, I'd say Seattle around town was maybe a little bit more fans, but it may, it was what 55 45 it's 99 to one here in favor of Kansas city. So who knows what it'll be, but that has really been kind of an overwhelming deal.
3: Peter, I want to ask you about the travel schedules of these two teams because the Dolphins were in Germany all week. They're, the jet lag's gone. The Chiefs either have just arrived or are arriving later today. We've, we've seen it with these games. We've seen it this year with these games. The Ravens arrived early. The Titans arrived late. The Ravens won. The Jaguars had the edge on the late-arriving Bills and won. So do do the Dolphins have an edge in this game because they've been there all week? I know Andy Reid said they're following the 2015 plan when they beat the the Lions in London, but it just feels like to me the Dolphins are going to have some type of edge having been there all week.
4: I think travel experts would say you're absolutely right, Shereen. Um, But I also think that there have been some teams that have come over here leaving on Thursday after practice at their local facilities and coming over to Europe who have played very, very well. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure that athletes that are so incredibly uh, that are in such great shape uh, and who basically have been basically told for the last two weeks, okay, adjust your sleep patterns for the time change and things like that drink your tart cherry juice, you know, all that kind <laughs> of stuff. I think that that's not going to be a big deal, even though it looked like with the Ravens, when they came over really early, spent the week there, and, you know, they took care of the Titans. But honestly, would, wouldn't the Ravens have beaten the Titans anyway, even if they showed up Friday night? Yeah. So I don't know. I and And, you know... Talking to people basically on both sides before they made this trip, I heard the explanations for both teams, and Kansas City basically wanted to stay on their schedule. And look, as it turns out, with Patrick Mahomes getting over some bug or whatever, uh, you know, having gone to the World Series last Friday, so who knows, maybe getting back to Kansas City at two o'clock in the morning and then going to Denver that day and playing lousy i'm sure and i would bet you that andy reed is very happy that they said for the first four days of this week we are staying home and staying in our own routine you
1: know i mentioned earlier this is the biggest game the nfl has ever exported rams chiefs in 2018 was supposed to be in mexico city but the field wasn't ready and that classic ended up being played at the coliseum but we've got a lot of people that follow the show in the UK and London has had NFL games every year, but for the pandemic year since 2007, they have kissed a lot of frogs. They have eaten a lot of crap subs like Elaine Bennis. What do you say to folks in London who aren't getting this game? And what does it say about the way that Germany has taken to the NFL so quickly? And as far as I can tell from here, so zealously,
4: Well, Mike, I would argue that the NFL now has played 43 regular season games outside of the United States, and the two games in Germany are the two best that they've ever had. I mean, think about that. Uh, You know, last year, Tom Brady in his last season playing a game uh, in Munich and playing the Seattle Seahawks, that was a good competitive team game with two teams that ended up making the playoffs. And so, and now this game, this has the best combined winning percentage uh, of two teams ever in the 43 game history of international football. I think what I would say to the people in England, and I totally get sort of their pain. However, the NFL, when it established the, the foreign home markets program, And you had every team basically say, okay, I want to take Germany or I want to take Spain. I want to take Brazil as our home markets overseas. Originally, four teams took Germany. okay? And those four teams over the span of three years all are going to play home games here. Next year, it'll be Carolina's turn. Nothing's been announced yet. They haven't made it official, but it'll be Carolina next year. And so I think... I understand people not being happy about this, but essentially what has happened is NFL owners for the first time in the last three or four years are raising their hands and they're saying, we want these international games for years when the NFL would have to get get teams to agree to go to England. None of the really good teams traditionally wanted to go. The green Bay Packers fought it forever until it became a rule. So I think that's one of the reasons. That's the, a very big reason why uh, England has not had great games.
3: It sounds like, Peter, that Munich has taken up with the NFL, just like Frankfurt has. What is it about Germany that they have fallen in love with the NFL and this has become such a big deal?
4: Shireen, I think it dates back to the old... World League of American Football, and then the World League, and they still have a pretty high semi-pro league over here. Uh, Jim Tom Sula coaches a team in Dusseldorf, uh, which is a hotbed of American football. And he told me last year, uh, he said to me, he goes, Patrick Mahomes coming to uh, coming to this country, Tom Brady coming to this country. It's like the Beatles coming to New York. And, and so I think because this place has had a 40-year tradition of being big-time supporters of American football, that's why you see, uh, you know, the great support over here. But, Shireen, I'll just tell you one other thing. That And this is sort of how I see it. Now, I'm not positive that stats would bear it out, but I want you to think about this. I think these are more european games with a german base the same way in england they're european games with a british base and that's because people come i mean i know somebody and i'm interviewed him for my column on monday who's coming from zurich and getting on a, a train at four forty-seven a.m sunday because this is his chance to see an american football game and so when when the supply is so limited People go nuts for it, and that's what's happened over
1: here. You know, I just had an idea. If they really want to embrace this, because we're seeing all the throwbacks now in the NFL because of the two-helmet rule, the Oilers we saw yeah. on the weekend, even though it shouldn't be the Titans, it should be the Texans. I got an idea. They need to get a couple of NFL teams over there, like the Panthers. Like, the Panthers don't yeah. have re- really have an iconic helmet Put them in the old Frankfurt Galaxy helmet. Do you remember the old yeah, Frankfurt yeah. Galaxy helmet? Yeah. Multicolored. Let's get the old World League uniforms out there. We have the Frankfurt Galaxy helmet. If I talk about it long enough, it might show up. But, Peter, let me ask you this. while well, yeah. we, we, we'll get it at some point. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it before we'll, – we'll, we promise we'll get it before the segment ends. Tyree Hill, biggest name in this game because of the crossover. Dolphins player now, was a Chiefs player How do you see him being a factor the first time he's ever facing his old team?
4: I think it's going to be hard for him to not be over-pumped in this game. You know, he was here talking about it yesterday, basically played it down, it's just going to be a game, all that stuff. There's no way he can feel that way. He's got to feel like, I'll show them. And look, the ironic part of it is, Tyreek Hill really had a chance to stay. You know, Kansas City offered him a lot more money than we ever thought he would be offered. And honestly, I remember vividly talking to Drew Rosenhaus in March of 2022, a Rosenhaus, Tyreek Hill's agent. He said, we, we were surprised at how much Kansas City's uh, GM, Brett Veach and coach Andy Reid stretched to try to make this happen. That's why I think, look, if if Tyreek finds some way to be bitter over this, I don't think the bitterness is mutual because I think Kansas City tried legitimately to sign him. And Mike, you know, and I know, that at the end of Tyreek Hill's time in Kansas City, the Chiefs were basically, hey, listen, thanks for everything. Here's the gold watch. We're going to move on. And obviously, because sometimes Tyreek Hill, can be difficult, a difficult guy to be on your team. It's never difficult on Sunday because he's so great. But he's not the easiest guy sort of to, to get along with in many uh, on many occasions the Chiefs found. And so Kansas City went out. What did they do? They won a Super Bowl without him. So I think part of that must have hurt Tyreek Hill. He's human. And so I, I think he will come out and really try to uh, have the game of his life on Sunday.
3: Peter, I know this, the Raiders obviously aren't playing over there, but I'm just curious of your thoughts of what's happened to the Raiders this week with the firings of GM and coach and now Aiden O'Connell uh, playing. What does this do for the Raiders and the long-term future of the Raiders?
4: Well, I understand that Josh McDaniel and Dave Ziegler made an awful lot of mistakes. In their short tenure with the Raiders, uh, very well-publicized mistakes. So I I don't say this in defense of them, but at some point you got to start looking at Mark Davis. You know, look at he now has had seven head coaches. I think Antonio Pierce is the eighth since his father died, and and what's that? Eleven years. And I just think eleven or twelve years. And at some point you have to say. Gee, there's a common denominator in this. Two team presidents resigning or one getting fired, one resigning. Uh, And all of every couple of years, there's a monumental shakeup here. You know, to me, this this is really starting to be like it's almost time for an intervention with Mark Davis. He's not going to sell the team. But I think that anybody and, and look, I'm not saying this is all anyone's fault. But what I am saying is that I think the commonality in this is that Mark Davis has made what appear to be appear to be some bad decisions. And so uh, that would be my my first thing. I think my second thing is that when I was watching that game on Monday night and we saw all the gesticulations and helmet throwing and all that stuff by uh, by Devontae Adams, totally understandable. But I also say, let's not make Jimmy Garoppolo the focus of every piece of criticism here. I mean, how much time did Jimmy Garoppolo have? That offensive line was, you know, almost Giants-like. You know, the way that Daniel Jones was getting just absolutely, uh, you know, snowed under for five weeks. So I understand wanting to make uh, two people Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler uh, you know the total focus for this but I think that's pretty short-sighted
1: Peter great work as always enjoy the game on Sunday safe travels and be on the lookout for a Frankfurt Galaxy helmet you never know there it where is. you might beautiful. see one, and there it is. Look at that. It is beautiful, it is gorgeous. and an NFL it team is. needs to nice wear helmet. the Frankfurt Galaxy <laughs> helmets. helmets. It is. I, I, yeah. I loved it yeah. the first time I saw it back in 1991. All right, Peter. Thanks as always. Enjoy the game, okay. and we'll be back with "Show Me Something" draft. We'll miss you, Peter, for the "Show Me Something" draft. <laughs> Shereen and I will do it next year on PFT Live. Show me. Week nine has arrived. It began last night with the Titans and the Steelers playing in Pittsburgh. Show me something draft. Shereen, we already got, I don't know if y'all heard it on the way to break. Peter King said, show me something, Daniel Jones. So he's already off the board. Shereen, who do you have?
3: (laughs) I'm going to go with Texans rookie quarterback, CJ Stroud. He's coming off his two worst games of his very short career. Carolina last week, career low, 140 yards, no touchdowns. Only the second time this season, He's had no touchdown passes. The first time was against the Ravens in the season opener. The week before, they played New Orleans. He had his first interception, and he only passed for 199 yards. That was his first time under 200 yards, and then he went even lower, obviously, last week. So they've lost two of their last three games, Mike, on chip shot field goals on the last play of the game. They win those two games. We're talking about the Texans playoffs, whatever, and they're that close. And but he needs to play better than what he's played the last two weeks. He's still averaging 276 yards a game. He's been outstanding this year, but he needs to get through these two losses and two or one of them was a win, but the two games that he's played poorly, he needs to turn this around.
1: Show me something Jordan Love. And this isn't about the Packers this year. The playoffs are a pipe dream. They're 2 and 5. But Jordan Love as GM Brian Gutekunst said earlier this week, these next 10 games are very important for Jordan Love. Now, I'd like to think he gets more than one year. But what he does the rest of the way is going to lay the foundation for whatever the Packers do by way of maybe having someone else ready in the event that Jordan Love falters again next year. This is a winnable game. Matthew Stafford's likely not going to play. This is one that they've got to have. And Jordan Love has to step up and have a solid game. Otherwise, this season gets completely away from the Packers. And maybe by the time it's all said and done, they decide that Jordan Love, after sitting on the bench for three years, only gets one year as the quarterback without, at a minimum, someone brought in as a veteran to compete with him head-to-head next year to make him earn it and force him to try to get better. This is the opportunity. If you blow this one, I don't know how deep it goes for the Green Bay Packers.
3: Well, show me something, Nick Bosa. He's been a non-factor so far, Mike. He's the reigning defensive player of the year. The holdout, I think, really affected him. Three sacks, 19 quarterback hits. That prompted them to trade for Chase Young because if he was having the year he had last year, they would not have made that trade. So there's no excuses now. You have somebody opposite you. You have Randy Gregory. You have other help. So go out and make a difference. Be that difference maker you were last year. You've had enough games to get your legs underneath you. Go show it.
1: Show me something, Jaron Hall. He's getting the opportunity. Kevin O'Connell was non-committal on Sunday. Non-committal on Monday. By Tuesday, when the Vikings considered all their options and. Kevin O'Connell worked his way through all the crazy proposals he had gotten on his phone. He said that on Monday. You wouldn't believe what's on my phone over the past 24 hours. Jaron Hall, six feet tall, rookie fifth rounder out of BYU, gets an opportunity to be the guy that takes over for Kirk Cousins. We'll see how it goes starting in Atlanta. It won't be easy, but this is your opportunity. This is your moment, Jaron Hall. Let's see what you do with it. We'll take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Final round of the Show Me Something draft as we enter Week 9. Shereen, you are up.
3: Well, I'm glad we didn't say Show Me Something this week because Nick Bosa is on a buy. I just realized that. But I'm going to <laughs> go with Daniel It was still a good
1: point. It was still a good point.
3: I'm and here's the with... point.
1: Let me say this. All right. They don't trade for Chase Young if Nick Bosa I... is playing like Nick Bosa. Yep. They don't give up that, that third-round pick if Nick Bosa is playing like Nick Bosa. Yes, yeah. go ahead.
3: I'm going to go with Daniel Jones, Peter's suggestion, and and it is a good one. I mean, he's got the rest of this year to show that he is the Giants franchise quarterback. We saw it last year, Mike, which is why they gave him the contract. He has two seasons of guarantees on that contract. They've got to find out if he's really the guy. If he's not the guy, they've got to try to get the guy in there, and they're back hunting for a quarterback. So this is a huge game for him. It's a huge rest of the season for him. Can he stay healthy? Can he play like he did last year? Show me
1: something, whoever plays quarterback for the Browns on Sunday. I don't know who it's going to be. Do you know who it's going to be? I don't no. know. Is it Deshaun Watson? Is it P.J. Walker? Is it Brian Sype I don't know. But somebody <laughs> has got to do enough offensively to beat the Cardinals. If they lose at home to the Cardinals and fall to 4-4, four and four, they're done in the AFC North. They're done in the AFC playoff picture. Maybe not completely, but – This is the kind of disqualifying loss where if you put that one at home when you need it after losing to the Seahawks, you've got to keep pace with the Steelers, keep pace with the Bengals, keep pace with the Ravens. Whoever plays quarterback needs to step up and get this done, make quick work of the Cardinals, and get to five and three. That is it for today's pft live thank you to peter king who joined us live from frankfurt shireen thank you and thanks everyone out there who gave us some of your time enjoy the games on sunday set your clocks and get up early